As we look at our word today, we focus on the theme verse for this final week of making your case for Christ. As Paul speaks to the Corinthians in his second letter in verse 19 and 20 of chapter 5, he says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Dear Christian friends, there were two men who were working in their family business. And more than likely, unless something went wrong, they would have a very successful business. And they would carry on also a, a long line of family tradition. They were good at what they did. Their father was good at what he did. His name was well known in the area. And one day, these two young men, while they're working on some of their equipment, they looked up and they saw a man. That man was named Jesus. And from this day forward, their life would never be the same. Their priorities would never be the same. And the impact on the world would reach farther than they could ever imagine. Their names, they were known as the sons of Zebedee, James and John. And on that day that they saw Jesus, they also saw standing beside him two other fishermen that were down the dock, Andrew and Peter. And after a brief conversation, Jesus invites James and John to join himself and Andrew and Peter. And they proceeded to learn how to become fishers of men. Why would Jesus ask someone to leave their career, to leave their family, to walk away from that which seems secure and follow him into some place that would be for them really unknown territory? What does it mean to become fishers of men? What does it mean to be an ambassador for Christ? Well, the passage of Scripture here, along with many others, answers that question. The answer is that men and women need to be reconciled to God. God has chosen you and me to be ambassadors for Christ. Why? So that the world will know that it needs to be reconciled to him. And today, this passage, we're going to look at some questions and see what it means to be an ambassador for Christ and how this relates to encouraging our friends to also follow him. Questions like, are you an ambassador for Christ? Have you thought about that? And if so, what role do you fulfill as an ambassador? And what message do you share as an ambassador? For us to see how we are those people in Christ, we really need to take a look at the context of our verses for this sermon today. We have the reason stated by Paul earlier in verse 14. He begins this section saying, For Christ's love compels us, because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us that message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Paul starts out that passage saying that Jesus died for us so that we would live for him. And part of living for Jesus instead of ourselves is being willing to come out of our comfort zone for the sake of doing his will. We know that sharing our faith can certainly fit into that. We need to care about Jesus and the souls of men enough to pull us out of our comfort zone and share our faith. Learning how to do that effectively is one thing. But first we need the willingness and also the determination to move forward. And like anything else, the more we do it, the more comfortable we're doing it. The more relaxed we are, the more success we'll have since we can focus on a conversation with some confidence instead of being on edge and worrying about how is it really going to go for me and that person. But first we need to be willing and also available because we now live for Jesus and we are committed to doing his will instead of our own. And that's why we share the gospel. And that will be easier to commit to when we're compelled, like Paul says. To be compelled is to be obligated. In the Greek, that word means to be devoted to. When we understand the depth of love that Jesus extended toward us, that he died for us, we will feel obligated to please him by doing his will. It's along the lines of Paul's words to Titus when he says to him, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Yes, God's grace, that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to live an upright life. And as we carry the understanding that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us and to purify us, so we respond by being eager to do what is good. And one of the things that we do is sharing that good news. That's what we will be devoted to. Remember from our context verses that Paul talks about the ministry and the message of reconciliation. Now there's the message of reconciliation, and there's the ministry of reconciliation. The message is the gospel, the good news of salvation through Christ. And the ministry of reconciliation is living it out. Or as our puppets will say later, live out loud. The gospel is both spoken and lived. It's walking the talk. We're to be like a walking billboard of the gospel of Christ. We're to show the proof of our transformation that Jesus made possible for us on the cross. We have been reconciled to God. We live in that presence even now. And so there should be changes that take place. If there are no changes in our behavior as Christians, what message are we sending to others? 
If we don't show ourselves to be a new creation, then we're not showing what that power of Christ is in us. Paul said that he once regarded Christ from a worldly point of view. But then he came to see Jesus in a different light. It happened on that road to Damascus. We need to be the same way. Not that Jesus was worldly, but that we were. So people need to see us in a different light, a non-worldly light. If we don't stand out from the rest of the world, one incentive is there for others to join our world as being Christians. They'd conclude that there's no difference between us and them. So if that's the case, why is there a reason to learn about a salvation message? But we need to be different. We are Christ's ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative to a foreign land. Both the apostles Paul and Peter talked about the fact that in Christ we are strangers and foreigners of the world. Why? Because our citizenship is in heaven. And therefore, as an ambassador, we represent the king of heaven to the foreign land of earth. Jesus no longer has his visible, physical presence in this world. But he has left behind his followers to be his representatives. An ambassador to a foreign country, they're a good reflection of their homeland. Now, if I was to be the first ambassador ever to go down to Peru, and it was the first time that the people of Peru had seen an American, they would gauge the rest of our country by my actions. If I'm a respectable and honorable person, then they're going to have a good impression of Americans. If I'm obnoxious and rude to them, it's not going to be so good. I need to represent the true spirit of America to a foreign land. We all need to reflect the character of Christ to the world. If we are worldly, we're going to be a poor representation. But if we have the words the attitude, the character, and the love of Christ pouring out of us from one person to another. As we present that message and the ministry of reconciliation, then we will be a true ambassador. We need to get the word out. As an ambassador of Christ, you represent the body of Christ, the brothers and sisters of faith in him. Membership in the confessing church is really fundamental to the faithful Christian life. Failure to do so really defies the explicit warning that the writer to the Hebrews gives us. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur on one another toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Martin Luther, he had a good understanding of this, and it prompted him to say, apart from the church, salvation is impossible. Now we know that the church doesn't provide salvation. Only God does that. But it's hard for a saved person to fulfill what is meant to be a Christian apart from the church. To Luther... Membership in the church, being connected with a family there, is really an indispensable mark of salvation. The Christian life is not just a matter of believing. It's a matter of belonging. 
Belonging is the most basic level of fellowship. It's right there at the entry level. It's identifying and aligning with a family of believers. Every Christian needs a loving body of believers where they can grow and they can serve in God's kingdom with them. But responsibility of belonging doesn't just fall upon the person visiting. In fact, his or her only responsibility, that's to come and give it a try. Belonging, that responsibility falls upon us. The key to connecting to a church is not our worship services or the preaching or our ministry programs. These things might get people into the door, but it doesn't make them stick. You know what makes them stick? You do. Yes, people come to church for God, but the secret ingredient that gets them to stay in a particular church is their relationship with others. Some have found that statistically that if ten families came to a church, two of them are going to stay no matter what you do. Two of them are never going to be likely to return. But the remaining six families will only connect if that church family is friendly and accepting. You are members of God's own family. And you belong in God's household with every other Christian in the world. How do I know that? Paul says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. And because we serve a loving and gracious and accepting God, we too should be eager to help others connect with our family, a family that focuses on God's word. It teaches about Jesus. It accepts people with grace into that family. We need to be engaging, accepting, and friendly People need to know that we generally care about them and that we want to get to know them and to share our faith and our life with them. To be a connecting church that's accepting and inviting and friendly, we need to be people who love and believe in the church. And then we want to come and experience the blessing of a loving faith community and to reach that family, make it extend even farther. And when people visit, We should be eager to befriend them and help them to find their fit in our spiritual home. The words cordial and nice, they're not the same as engaging and accepting. Cordial requires a handshake and a smile. Accepting and engaging, that requires an investment of time and relationship. You just don't shake a hand and sit down. You invite a family or an individual to sit with you and then introduce them to people who are around you that you may know. You don't just say, well, it's good to see you today. You may instead deliver baked goods to their house if you know where they live. Invite them to a small group or perhaps give them a phone call. Back in 2005, almost 15 years ago, when we did 40 Days of Purpose, Pastor Rick Warren said in day 36 of his book, The Purpose Driven Life, he said, you are made for a mission. God is at work in the world, and he wants you to join him. And this assignment is called your mission. 
God wants you to have both a ministry in the body of Christ and a mission in the world. Your ministry is your service to believers, and your mission is your service to non-believers. Fulfilling your mission in the world is God's now fifth purpose in your life, along the lines of that book. For a number of us, that word mission takes us even farther from our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our schools. For some of us, it can mean doing God's work in places like Alaska. And as we went out to that place this past summer in June, we got the opportunity not only to see the beauty of that creation of God and see that highest mountain in Alaska as well and of North America, but most importantly to get over to St. Philip Catholic Church right on the highway and be able to reach out to the children, the children who came back this year and said, it was so good to see you, you're back. And we were, and they were, 20 of them in an elementary school district that has about 20 students in that whole village. It was a great time as we got the opportunity to share with them about God's word, to tell them not only about the creation of God as the theme was talking about the universe and all and Abraham and the stars, but especially Jesus coming to this place and how he really changed the whole world for us. To be able to go through experiments with a crazy professor there and to learn more about what the impact of God's creation has upon us. To have time to go outside and to play different types of games and uh, get some good exercise in a time when it was about uh, 75 to 80 degrees in Alaska. A little too warm for those guys up there. Refreshments, the snacks times that they got just to talk to each other, kids that may not see each other all the time at different ages, and then to be able to take crafts home, to share those with family and perhaps friends, and maybe touch some other lives for Christ as we tell the story to them that perhaps they will tell it to others. In the opening and closings, we had time for song and videos, and especially our guide and Hoppy, our puppet frog, as we were able to celebrate and show the kids a story each and every day. As we did that, we give thanks also to our LWML, our ladies who made all of those tie-dye t-shirts, and we were able to iron on the, the patch, which was the theme for the VBS. Eventually, we had to leave that place of the midnight sun. And yes, it was midnight when that picture was taken. (laughs) Well, we are going back. And we hope that that same school bus is going to be bringing them again with uh, Debbie, their driver. And as they go, we hope to see that scene for them to run out to share that good news of Jesus. And if you want to consider going next year, those are the dates. So you can put those on the calendar. We'll be up there during the longest day of the year, as far as daylight goes. So if you want to experience that, that's the place to be. God made Jesus to be sin for us, so that we could be righteous. Now what does that act of love and sacrifice require from someone who has received that gift? Well, such a gift requires the same response for us. We are responsible to Jesus because of his sacrifice for us. That's why God made us his ambassadors. 
Because we carry the position and also the passion, and most of all, we carry the truth of just what it means to be saved. We're righteous because of what Jesus did for us. How can that truth not compel us to share that good news? There's only one plan in Scripture for evangelizing the world with the gospel. And that's through his people who have received and believed in the good news to encourage our friends and all people to follow Christ in this life and to eternity in heaven someday. In Jesus' name, amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, who is your Lord and Savior. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.